Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shasai Podcast, conversations between scholars from around the world who study childhood, youth, and related institutions historically. As an official production of the Society for the History of Children and Youth, you can subscribe to these shows through iTunes or Google Play. Written and visual materials associated with each episode are available at our website, shcy.org. Enjoy. Welcome to this pod in the Society for the History of Children and Youth series about featured books. My name is Bengt Sandin. I'm a professor emeritus at the Department of Child Studies in Linköping, Sweden. And I will talk to Friederike Kinsekovacs about her book, Budapest Children. Friederike is a senior researcher at the Hannah Arendt Institute in Dresden in Germany and holds a PhD in history from the University of Potsdam and Habilitation in modern history from the University of Regensburg. She has also studied Hungarian languages, language and culture, and her research has brought her all over Eastern and Western Europe, as well as to the United States. The reason you will soon hear about, because the book Budapest Children, published by the University of Indiana Press, is certainly about Budapest, but it's also about so much more. It's about the international conflicts and the reshaping of Europe after the Great War, that is the first of the Great War, and uh, the role of international aid for children and its legacies, and how it transformed both politics and the notion of children and childhood. Hence, it is about what went on in Budapest after the collapse of the Austrian Empire and the new nation-states that emerged and had to handle all the consequences of the collapse of the infrastructure of the empire, immigration of displaced children, broken families, starvation, etc. But it's also about the slow initial steps towards building a welfare regime with investments in children's instit institutions for children, for health and education, etc. So, Frederica, this has been a fascinating read for me. I think it's really been interesting. Uh, and I, as a childhood historian, since a long time back, I'm interested in how scholars like you first drifted into the field of history of children and childhood. How come you started interested in that? Hi, Veng. First of all, thank you very much for the invitation to speak today a bit about my book. Um, how did I get interested in this topic? <clears throat> I think perhaps the most obvious is my own name. So being called Kind and then dealing on the history of childhood is <laughs> sort of a very strong motivator for myself. Um, I think child-rearing practices were always important in my own family. My mother was a kindergartner, my grandmother was a kindergartner, then I gave birth to two children. Um, so that definitely plays into my particular interest in this history. But I also started to sort of shift my perspective from a more, a more of an interest in cultural history, because my first book was on underground literature during the Cold War. 
And also there, I was sort of trying to bridge Central and Eastern European history and Western European history, but it was really a more of an intellectual history. And I felt like, I think in my next book, I would like to do rather a social history. And uh, as in Germany with the habilitation, you need to shift the time period and the topic and the approach and sort of everything. So I decided I'm not going to move into the uh, 19th century, which I should have, but I'm going to move into the early 20th century. And then I uh, read a lot of um, contemporary newspapers and uh, articles for the post-World War I period. And I was really astonished to sort of find such an immense uh, publicity and presence of children's uh, starvation, suffering, etc. And then I wondered, how did it come that uh, from one moment to the other, childhood becomes such a crucial topic in Budapest? Um, and until, until this book, I had not really ever done archival research in Hungary. So um, it was my first attempt to sort of incorporate that particular interest in the city and its own history. Um, so I thought, I think it's a perfect topic to figure out how did it come that childhood turned into such a essential topic uh, in Hungarian history in the post-World War I period. Um, and what possibly brings us a, a, a perspective or a focus on Hungary, not just in understanding uh, Hungarian history or Central European history, but can we write a history of Budapest children in a more global perspective? So but that really... means that, yeah, yeah. but you, you sure. started off, because this is both social history and political history and cultural history. I mean, it kind of really goes over many different fields and but you started off from a kind of a, from the role in the the role of the budapest children in the in the history i mean the established history of of uh, of hungary that it it had yeah. a place there already no, it doesn't have a place here, but it doesn't have either a place, I still think, in modern or contemporaneous history itself, because I feel that often the history of childhood is still marginalized. But I wanted to what I wanted to do is with this book to use children to write a general history. So I deal with topics of migration epidemics, um, hunger, um, displacement, humanitarianism, but all through the lens of children. So I, I, one could look at, I don't know, different social groups, but I felt that I think here there is a, an opportunity to use uh, the history of childhood to broaden up the history of childhood to all other fields of history. Yeah, well, I, I really, pre and that's really what I appreciate about your book, because sometimes I say when I argue about how, how to write the history of childhood is that you should have, you should, in a sense, defocus children yeah. and have a multi-focus on yeah. the, their place in, and also see them as a factor that influences a lot of other things yeah. without really always being really visible. They do international, they influence international politics without really being in the politics, but yeah. you, yeah. So is that what you say? Yeah, your I think, yeah, I think that's uh, absolutely. I think you formulated it very well, but I think childhood is really a core element of society and of politics because through 
the debates over childhood and through humanitarianism uh, related to children, we can understand the society and as well the condition of Hungarian society back then. So th they, I think, are even more essential than other social groups. So perhaps uh, even if we write about children and often we miss children's agency, that's a big trouble, I think, in the history of childhood. Still, I think through them, uh, it's often, I think, a very, very dense history we can write. Can I ask you then, because I think this is interesting also when you say it, it's more important than other social groups. I don't see that you write particularly much about this from a women's history perspective or a feminist perspective uh, and I think that another book could have focused on women uh, the plight of women in Budapest during this period of time but that's not at the forefront of your discussion. No it's not but I write about a number of very important key figures back then who were involved in children's relief like Julia Vaikai or what I presented two weeks ago in Göteborg um, uh, Asta Nielsen, so they were very essential key female key figures who transformed on the one hand the field of social work, uh, children's welfare, and who sort of came to be really um, as in, in, they turned into key figures in uh, the post war period through their welfare and relief of children. Yeah, so well, it is well, a big topic, but I, no, I, well, I, I could be that one could write a history of uh, Budapest women in the post-war period, come perhaps to very similar conclusions. No, n yes, and no, well, I think it's interesting with you because the way, since you don't do it as a very explicit following the women uh, in this co uh, context, uh, I think what you do by looking at the history of children and childhood, you see more the interaction between uh, a lot of other things. I think that this really speaks to the notion of the multifocus that you have and allows an, uh, another history to come out and, and also the history of children coming out as something that is not and cannot be reduced with, to, the, to the history of women and history of, of uh, well, the situation of women, even though it could have been actually an, an important aspect or is an important aspect. Yeah, yeah, uh, so... Yeah. But I would like to say, so this this is basically what you say also, that this is the central contribution of your finding to the history of childhood. Is that in, in line of this argument? Yeah, I think what I'm trying, um, so originally my book was a habilitation. So it was uh, divided into various uh, large um, parts. Then I had to rewrite it to turn it into a book and if I decided to write it into nine chapters. And what I tried in these various chapters, which are topic oriented, so migration, hunger, etc., I look at these topics through the lens of childhood. And I think that is sort of what I, that's what I was hoping to reach, um, that uh, with the history of childhood, we can make a contribution to the history of migration, to the history of uh, the research on hunger, to, uh, to the history of humanitarianism, um, but always see that how did children and the discourse over children and the practices relate to children, how can they make us better understand those larger developments in the post-war period? Yeah. One thing that really struck me there that you do use, uh, I mean, it's very popular within the history of children and childhood to discuss agency in different ways. Uh, and uh, 
and and there's many a big theoretical discussion about the the agency of children and how you could understand that in different ways and i shall not go into that uh, at all but but uh, i would like to point to the fact that you actually use budapest children to kind of launch a a discussion about a specific form of historical agency that really relates back to what we're talking about now and and uh, if you excuse me i will read a quote which i think is is uh, important uh, from your book in all these ways budapest children shows us how the city's displaced neglected and impoverished children gained despite their obvious material economic and social powerlessness a specific form of historical agency in generating a new brand of humanitarianism and internationalism in post-war Europe. The history of Budapest children serves as a prism, illuminating the interdependence between international in inferences into children's lives and into the, the and the role of their destitution and relief in, in, in enabling and shaping the transnational web of relationships in the post-war world. So here you could say that the bodies of children, the children in the schools, the children as, as the objects of aid, is something that actually acts uh, by its interaction and, and affects all these other things. And I think it's a... It's a I think it's a real contribution to the understanding of of uh, what kind of agencies children children does have in history. Yeah, I think oh, I think that's sort of really one of the key arguments of my book is that it is these are not agents of power, but due to their vulnerability and their sort of um, destitute, malnourished, uh, rickety bodies that through their uh, through their physical uh, vulnerability, they become agents in shaping post-war politics. And I think that's a really strange and part of ambiguous um, perspective on children. But I think they, their, uh, their uh, corporality reflects the post-war condition of many cities and states uh, in Europe. So um, I think that's the, the ambiguity, the war and the post-war period, they triggered children's suffering, destitution, hunger, etc. And on the other hand, it created uh, or served as a trigger to push towards a modernization, professionalization uh, of child welfare and children's protection. Um, and in that sense, in this ambiguous role, children as deserving and in need, and on the other hand, as sort of the notion for the future of the nation, they contribute to that uh, process of modernization and professionalization. Yeah, well, exactly. I, and I, But that also brings me to another issue here. It's about the specificity specificity of the Hungarian experience uh, and and uh, I'm a little bit fascinated by how your different nations tend to kind of lift out the uniqueness of their historical experience in different ways and and uh, and I'm quite sure that that is something goes on greatly within the history of children and childhood in Eastern Europe uh, now uh, which I thought kind of witnessed in the, some of the sessions at the European Social Science History Associations meeting in Gothenburg recently, because you're looking for kind of 
specific and i would like to ask you whether you feel that this experience uh, that went on in in budapest uh, in any way shaped the the created a specific uh, experience in hungary of children and children and 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 also kind of gave the identity a way of looking at children and childhood a specific uh, understanding uh, uh, that differs it from other other european nations at the time given the fact that actually we did have suffering children in in berlin and we have similar situations in in other european big cities and stuff like that so yeah i think um i think perhaps the most uh, useful to answer that question is the cover ev- image of my book in that sort of i'm trying to explain why or in what f- sense a hungarian case that uh, case study is particular because you could write a history of humanitarian aid uh, or children's destitution and humanitarian aid in the post-war period for most of Central and Eastern European countries. So there's nothing particular about uh, a suffering city and its suffering children. You had American relief to Poland, uh, Czechoslovakia, et cetera. So that's nothing, nothing particular. However, what I think is particular is the way for what it is used in order to sort of create, I argue, a uh, um, narrative of victimization. And Hungary used it to um, to advocate for the revisionism, uh, revisionism of its territorial losses. Um, it pushed for uh, um, a rapprochement after the war because Hungary had been an enemy state. Um, but I think what is particular in Hungary as well is that it lost a huge territory. So it lost two thirds of its territory. It had a huge massive migration, which I think might have been more than in other countries. So half a million Hungarians um, migrated uh, to the new Hungarian state. So some factors are historically different in the case of Hungary. But I think what is what I find the most fascinating is how this sort of perpetrator state, because it joined um, or it, it it was among those nations who lost the war, um, uh, that they used the the suffering children to rewrite uh, its own image um, into a victim. So it, it, it wanted to represent itself as a victim state. And it used the vulnerable, suffering, rickety child body in order to do that. But I think it would be absolutely fascinating to do a study of humanitarian aid in the post-war period in various European countries, because um, I think only then we could sort of really determine if there's anything uh, particular about the Hungarian case. I just found it really interesting how they used it um, to push for a revocation of the Treaty of Trianon. Yeah, no, I think that's fascinating. I think you make a very interesting link there uh, to that. And I could see that a lot of uh, other things there, when you point to the role of education and stuff like that, it's it's very, I mean, there are there are similarities there to other kind of systems of AIDS in all over Europe at the same time. And also the transformation from AIDS to self-help and that kind of thing. Uh, as well as the ambiguity, ambiguity around the children's train to new dislocated children. I mean, these children migrated to a great extent, and then some of them were migrated again to new, and that created a kind of a 
it's very similar to what goes on in many many different case, cases but this this thing about the neutrality of children uh, and and aiding to children which is also something neutral but at the same time highly political and and used for for uh, in the way that you describe it and i think there are similarities i mean to I suppose that to Austria, to a sense, also being a victim state, but also a participating state. And that kind of, of uh, resonance a little bit with the, with the, with the European experience. Uh, but could you say something a little bit about, well, you already touched upon that, between the relationship between the international and the local, which you then called global? Yeah, or- Or I would first, uh, I think you touched on this interesting issue that uh, it's a history of humanitarianism and uh, humanitarian child relief, which is, I think, in itself is something great. Um, And it's supposed to be neutral, independent, etc. But I think that in this case here, really, we have sort of the use of children's relief to push for different national agendas of the countries involved. Um, so while American America really provided massive relief to Hungary, um, it was not just <laughs> for for the good of the children. No, they pushed for their own particular uh, political agendas. They wanted to push the red thread, uh, the the further furthering of the Bolshevist thread. Yeah. They they wanted to counter that. Hungary, on the other hand, wanted to have a restoration of its uh, haughty regime. Um, Britain and I think save the, the Hungary. You mean in this yeah. case? The haughty yeah, regime, yeah. Yeah, haughty regime. So um, they wanted to push the uh, Bolshevist revolution uh, down and sort of recreate a, a post-revolutionary uh, imperial elite, which would run the country. And in the relief, uh, you see lots of the former imperial aristocrats who shaped the field of children's welfare and relief. So I think that's another argument of the book that yes, humanitarianism is supposed to be impartial, neutral and independent. But what I see here, uh, how the children were used in their relief, it's very political. But isn't it also very political also on the local level? I mean, that Absolutely. also the philanthropy is also very kind of political in, in, in the everyday mundane uh, forms. Yeah. So what I was trying to do is I didn't want to write a, a classical history of humanitarianism from from the powerful country to the destitute state. And therefore, I used the term global, um, sort of the connection between the local and the global in order to really uh, sort of trace the connections and everyday collaborations in Budapest between local welfare workers and the inter- incoming international relief workers. And that's something what I think um, wasn't that much known that there was a very, very professional child protective system already in Hungary available, but just because of the post-war and post-war destitution, it it became very precarious and they were in need of massive support and financial help. But um, the welfare uh, infrastructures were already uh, uh, in place. So what happened is that um, People like um, James Pedlow or 
Julia Weika, who was a local welfare worker, and James Pablo came from the American Red Cross, they started to collaborate in Budapest. And I think here I'm sort of breaking with the um, usual uh, assumption or notion of humanitarianism. It's from the uh, well-deserving uh, West to the backwards Central and Eastern Europe. And no, I think it was a sort of uh, ping-pong relationship because uh, Julia Weicker, for instance, was then later invited to give talks in Britain about her understanding of the British child welfare system. So they understood, okay, Hungary suffered now, but there's a lot of knowledge and expertise in uh, the region of children's welfare. So. Um, perhaps we can also profit from that uh, that experience and the knowledge which is at hand and available in Hungary. Um, so that's something I think what 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 astonished me as well is that it was not just uh, the West coming to Budapest. No, also Hungarian welfare workers then would go to Geneva, uh, uh, London, and give talks about what can we learn from this uh, situation in Budapest. Yeah, well, I think that underscores uh, other research that's been going on. That that not only that that uh, it's highly political, but it's also highly political in in many different ways. And if you look into the different types of aids and different kind of interaction that goes on, it mirrors many different uh, aspects of the helping countries. That they are not kind of it's not one one kind of politics of of domination. There are many different ones. But also, as you say, it goes the other way around. And I think it would be fascinating to see more research on on uh, the flow back and forth and what how you borrow models from different different uh, nations and different places and and uh, the very intense discussion and interaction around welfare models and welfare systems uh, that took place during this period of time uh, before in between the wars mm -hmm. yeah uh, but you also you went to the hoover institute right you looked the yeah. the the archives there and and the role of of that could you just say a few words about that so what was perhaps a pretty challenging um for me in terms of writing this book was the, if you write a transnational and transatlantic history, it involves a number of international archives. Um, so I went to Hoover, I went to Geneva, to Birmingham, to Save the Children, the International Red Cross, a number of national archives in Hungary, um, uh, archives in Britain, uh, Austria. So I think what I was trying to is to bring pieces and bits together that write this or that let me write this transatlantic and transnational history. And I think the sources which you find at Hoover, which are often very much related to statistics of nutrition and Hoover's understanding of childhood very much differ from materials that I found at the Save the Children archive in um, Geneva, which I think was for me, the most essential or most important archive, because there I found many of the visuals which are part of the book. And I really started to reflect on why are there that many images of children and what what do they add uh, to this history, what written sources cannot add. 
Um, and what I found then very fascinating that I sometimes found the very same images in various archives, but just differently annotated, differently placed, differently set up. Um, and I didn't do that properly in the book. I did it it's to some extent, but one could write a history of these circulating images because on the one hand, they reflect uh, the uh, circulation of knowledge back then, but it also reflects the transnationalization of relief. Um, and I think it's fascinating to see how viewers were um, um, targeted by various media and various outlets in order to push for donations and humanitarian aid on behalf of Hungary's children. Yeah, and I th that brings me to to reflect a little bit about uh, this because I, I do think that the images of children, the way they are, comes out in the nineteen twenties and thirties, also reflect the building, the building of welfare states in different ways. And and uh, uh, I mean, I'm thinking about better 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 mothers contests and all these kind of contests in in uh, better baby contest stories. Uh, which is really a lot about mothers uh, uh, that that was became popular all over the West at the at the time, also in Sweden and America and all. Over. And there you could see how these images also is a part of the building of the normal quotation mark uh, welfare systems at the time, and also the conflicts reflected in that understanding. Yeah, so I think. I've yeah, yeah, I wrote an article which is not part of the book about the uh, the war as orphans, and they were competitions in Hungary of the most beautiful war orphans. Um, and I find that crazy because uh, I think that's the last which comes to my mind if I think about war orphans is to think about their beauty. But I think it reflects sort of the obsession with we are still a great Hungarian nation and we have uh, a beautiful uh, future generation to raise here. So let's see what remains in this post-war period, which is beautiful and reflects the greatness of our nation. Well, I think that's interesting. That's a, that's, that's a fascinating understanding. I mean, fa fascinating that that goes on during this period of time. And and uh, it does have it kind of resonates with goes on in these other kind of beauty contests that's that's where the children are kind of not only sacralized but also kind of hailed as 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 a kind of a as an image to to likeness. Well, and I well thank you very much. I think this is a fascinating book, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it. And one of the reasons I thought it was interesting is that naturally also that this book is highly relevant today uh, as it places the history of children in the very center of how the world is reshaped in international conflict, in the wake of wars, uh, and uh, where, the, where it gives children and the plight of children and how that is interpreted also a role as agents for change. Uh, by their sheer number and location. Uh, and that is something that goes on. And unfortunately, that is something that we're seeing today. Uh, so thank you for your contribution. And I think it's a great contribution both to the history of children and childhood and to our understanding of the world that goes on today. So thank you, Friedrich. Thank you very much for this opportunity to speak about my book. Thank you, Bengt. 
thank you for listening to Shusai Podcasts. You can find more materials and features from the Society for the History of Children and Youth online. S-H-C-Y dot org.